Welcome to What They Never Told Us, the podcast where we explore our own personal journeys in the hopes to give you some insight into your own narrative. I'm your host, Sasha, licensed mental health counselor. And I'm your host, Crystal, licensed social worker. Yes, we are mental health professionals. However, we are not experts on anyone else but ourselves. You are the only expert on you. The information shared or discussed on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Welcome to another episode of What They Never Told Us. We're no longer going to be talking about our identities. We hope that you enjoyed getting to know us, and we hope that you all have begun to start wondering about your own experiences. But before we get into today's topic, in true therapist fashion, as always, because I think that's how I, at least me, I think that's how I always show up. First and foremost, we're going to do a check-in. So, Crystal, how are you doing? Hi. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny because I've been not feeling like myself lately. And I think it wasn't until a conversation that I had yesterday that I realized I've been just experiencing like a very like low grade type of depression and kind of and what I mean by that is not it's it's more of a functional uh depression and i think that that's something that we don't necessarily talk about too much or there's maybe not as enough awareness about that about how you can show up and still feel really down and still be experiencing symptoms of depression so you know like i've been showing up i've done what i had to do but everything feels super exhausting but i think it it's worth noting that you're not always going to feel great. And I think that being in tune with myself, I was able to finally notice because I was like, oh, well, I'm feeling a little down. It's just something that's happening this week and then it'll go away, but it hasn't gone away. So I think it's just one of those like waves that just kind of hit. So I think I'm experiencing that now. And I think instead of trying to like constantly fight it, which never helps, just kind of kind of like be with it. And yeah, I'll leave it at that. How are you doing, Sasha? I am not okay. And I feel like I have been saying that often lately. So, but it makes sense though, right? So a couple of weeks ago when I did my check-in, I spoke about the person that I I was with and I talked about getting to know yourself a little bit and how that can affect how you move in relationships and how you show up. So this is my news. Uh, we are not together anymore. I am feeling all the feels. And when I say all the feels, I mean all of them. Like I will go from sadness to confusion, to anger, to happiness, to excitement, because this is presenting a a different opportunity at the same time. And I have a real hard time dealing with endings. Like I can't even watch a series finale that I know I've seen already. I choose sometimes not to watch it again if I'm binge watching the same show because it just creates all these things up. Like it stirs up all these things in me because I personally don't like endings. I have a real issue with it. So I think I'm just trying to, like Crystal said, it's it's interesting, feel what it is that I'm experiencing instead of rejecting it. And it's the universe is interesting because you would think that we planned this, but Trust me when I say I didn't plan to be broken up with. (laughs) I did not plan to feel this way. I I think it just happens. And Crystal and I have decided that this episode is going to be based on doing the work and confronting your feelings. And that is exactly what we are both going through. So I don't know if it's appropriate to say, but joke's on us. Hell yeah, (laughs) joke's on us. (laughs) like so here we are like preparing stuff for you last week like oh this is how it's going to be and and then life hits and it's like oh so I'm gonna be doing it oh okay got it so now I am actually placed in a position where I am confronting my feelings I am forcing myself to do the work all the work that I have done up until this point is not just for for you know shits and giggles but it's it's because I I wanted to to be more grounded in myself and Funny enough, I I do see a lot of differences and a lot of change. And even in the way that I'm handling grief and loss and all these weird emotions. The the irony of it all just does not escape me. (laughs) 
now we're talking about doing the work and we're in the midst of really facing some challenging times for ourselves. We're saying doing the work and you might have heard that term thrown out in other instances of, you know, life like on online or other people. But I do kind of want to just backtrack and say, well, I just want to backtrack and ask, well, what is doing the work, right? Like, what does that even mean? Can we backtrack just a little, like a step back and be like, and just address why we should be doing the work before we talk about what the work actually is? You're because right. Yes. Trust me, when I was 18, I'd be like, I don't want to do this shit. I just want to ignore it or I want to go to sleep. And I, you know, so um, at least for me, I, I think a lot about why I sh- why do why do I go so hard in trying to understand myself? And I know that everybody's not like me, but I find a lot of value in it, not just for myself personally, but I've seen the value in it when I work with clients or I work with people. I have seen what happens when people do not do the work and they would show up to my office in shambles, literally asking me, how do I get back to where I used to be? And the answer is, well, who you used to be is exactly why you're here. But nobody wants to hear that. What they want to he- what they want to get back is this place where they don't have to feel this because they're whatever it was that they were doing prior to, like how they were coping, was preventing them from actually owning the certain feelings that had been coming up. So I think that the purpose of doing the work is to A, be better. And that is something I always strive for. And I think every human being should be really get to know yourself. And, you know, like when you think about identity, like how did Crystal and I form these identities that have become such a big part of ourselves? It's because we've done the work and we know what is actually ours and what we want to own. And we know what has been placed onto us, right? It's so you're not confused in regards to how you're moving in this world. This is a big and scary world and it can feel very lonely and confusing. So doing the work can help minimize that a little bit. Also, I will say that doing the work helps you get to a point where if something bad happens, like <laughs> like you get broken up with, <laughs> you you know, like I, I have a tendency to rationalize things and I am rationalizing this, but I'm also allowing myself to feel it because I know that my instinct is to probably scapegoat or like place the blame on somebody else mm. or to avoid because I don't want to feel it. That's me going to sleep because I will sleep when I'm depressed a lot. Like I, I know yeah. that. And right now I'm just trying to put the mirror to myself and figure out, okay, that's nothing about anybody else, but what is it that's going on with you? And what is that telling you? It's the relationship with yourself. And I think that it's important and it's something that is not It's advertised in our society, but they don't give you any damn guide on how to do it properly. And that's the the purpose of today's episode about like what does doing the work look like and what are some ways to actually start doing that work. So I think that Sasha did an excellent job of, of explaining why. I don't really necessarily feel like I have to add too much to that. Thank you, Boo, for being so thorough. I would just say for me, um, I knew that I needed to do the work because one of the ways that my trauma has like, one of the consequences of the trauma that I experienced as a child has been to have this like low grade type of depression. And I felt like for a really long time, I felt like this dark cloud was hanging over my head and I could not escape it. So I think that that was my sign for doing the work, but also just not, you know, uh, building the relationships that I wanted, thinking like I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do right. Like I'm pursuing my education. I'm working towards my career. I am, you know, going out with my friends, but still nothing feels right. Nothing feels authentic. Something always feels off. Um, And that was my sign for knowing that like, man, something isn't right here. Let me go do it. I also think like back to what we said about last week about the, when I was talking about the mental health, uh, like my mental health career, I think that there was always a part of me that was trying to understand. Um, and that's why I went into the career. And I think that there was a point in my life where I could no longer ignore what Mm. was going on with me. So I think that that was a big, a big source of understanding or like the light went off and was like, I have to do something about this. That really hit home for me. So when you said that, I thought about the moment that I was forced to confront my stuff and I couldn't hide any longer. And that was when I was 21 and my father had died. And for a whole year, I did my whole, you know, 
let me just focus on things. Let me just finish school. Let me just really try and be better for myself. And then when I didn't have a focus a year later, like shit really hit the fan and like it fucked me up real bad. And I was forced to confront every single emotion that I had been ignoring my whole life because up until that point, I wasn't doing the work. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's so important to you know, notice when is like that point in time where you're like, okay, so I have to do the work. But what does doing the work actually mean? So I think doing the work is going to look different for so many people. I think that it looks differently depending on what you've experienced. I think that if you, this is my personal opinion, if you've experienced a lot of trauma or challenges, for me, I think a therapist would be the best way to go when it comes to doing the work. But it doesn't always have to look that way. And I think that you also don't need to think about doing the work and feel overwhelmed. There's small ways where you can start that. But what does it mean to do the work? So for me, it's it's really strange, right? Because it's there's this whole movement of getting to know yourself and self-care and all these things. And how do you make yourself better? And, you know, how do you make yourself more fit? How do you get to, you know, the, the best point in your life? And I think that it, that's great. And I'm not opposed to these movements, but I, what I am opposed to is how they just ignore this, like this huge piece to it, which is, it's like getting to know yourself and, and it's really understanding what it is that you're feeling and why you're not, intrinsically motivated to get on board with bettering yourself. And then we kind of label ourselves. So I'm just going to take it back a little bit and just kind of remind all of us, this is part of why we don't do the work. And this is also a solution to beginning. Um, It's something that I've noticed that people don't know how to identify their feelings. And like, we're talking about kindergarten work, right? Like I did, I used to do this with my kids when I was uh, working with children. Like, what are you feeling right now? If you really sit down and think about how you express who, like how you're feeling to even your closest people, and you use words like, I'm okay, I'm fine. It'll be all right. It's good. But it's like, really, what is good? Like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And you kind of like, it's almost as if we've been conditioned, I think, as a society to just glaze over what it is that we're feeling and just keep moving forward. Right. Even to bring a little bit more nuance to that, I think that sometimes we limit our emotions to I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm happy, I'm confused. Uh, you know, but I think there's so many layers to it. And this makes me think of the feelings wheel. And um, maybe we could find the photo or a link to to put in the description or on the Instagram so that you can all see the level of emotions when it comes to feelings. Because feelings, you know, like anger joy, happiness, like there's levels to to those emotions. There's disappointment, there's frustration, there's feeling blissful, feeling surprised, feeling overjoyed, feeling excited, right? These particular things are more descriptive than the general, like I'm happy, I'm sad, um, I'm this. And I think that the point that you brought up, Sasha, about like you did this work with your kids, it is something that as we grow up, we should be learning these emotions. And I think that's a lot of people grow up and don't really understand the nuance of their emotions. And I think that can be a really big challenge in getting to know yourself. Because if you think that you're just angry, you might not know what to do with it. But if you're able to break down that anger or that sadness into something a little bit more concrete, it might be one, easier, a little bit easier to sit with those emotions, or two, just understand how you got there and what caused those emotions a little bit more in depth. So I think that that's a great a great way to start off about like, well, what does the doing the work look like? I think it means understanding who you are, understanding your emotions. I think you're extremely on point. And what, it, what you're alluding to, in my opinion, is the underlying why. And I, that is, ooh, I am queen of the wise. I was princess (laughs) of the wise when I was little and my mom hated it. And I, and that has not, my curiosity for what it is that's propelling these feelings in me or in other people has not been dimmed in any way, even though the world I think has tried. Well, that fire is burning strong. When we sit with the fact that we have emotion, we have feelings for a reason. And then you start, and then the next step is you take it to, okay, is it because somebody did this to me or is it also something that I'm doing as well, right? Because when you're relating to other people or you're in a situation where you're interacting with your environment, 
your stuff is coming up as well. It's being poked at. And whatever feeling you have could be a response, but it's, in my opinion, and this is, I guess, dangerous to say, it's never truly anybody's, it's never 100% someone else's fault. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it always, you know, it's, it's a dance. It's always a dance between the internal and the external. <laughs> when you say that it's not always our fault, I always think about what my previous therapist used to say, that we have agency and no one can make us feel anything meaning that you know like you know how there will be two people who experience the same experience like maybe they get into a knock on wood I hope this doesn't happen to anyone it's gonna happen but I don't want it to happen to anyone if someone gets into a car accident one person in that car accident and they survive will be like Well, like, being sorry, it's not just like, laughing at me. Because I'm like, I don't want to put any bad juju in the world. Like, I don't want anyone to get into a car accident. She's like, not but I know. Not it's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> and we're realistic about what's happening in life. Um, but, uh, sorry, didn't mean to derail, but I needed that laugh, so thank you. Um Right. So, you know, uh, two people, two, you know, people can get into a car accident. They both survive. One person's super upset that they got into this car accident and is worried about their insurance going up and blah, blah. And the other person is just happy that they're alive. Mm. That kind of goes into a little bit about what Sasha was saying, that you can't make people feel any sort of way. Right. Because both people are justified in their responses. We say like, oh, this person said upset me. And it's like, yeah, maybe they said something that was insensitive or or something like that. But the way that you took it in and the way that you internalized it is on you, right? So you can't always control what other people say, do, how they behave, how they show up. But how you let that seep inside of you, it is your choice. And I don't say that in a way to minimize like, oh, if you're upset, that's your fault and kind of putting the blame on you. But more so to say like doing the work is examining like, okay, this was my reaction to something. I'm feeling upset because of what this person said. Now, let me ask myself why. Let me dig deeper, similar to what Sasha said. Like, now it's time for the whys. How did we get yeah. here? Why is this upsetting me so much? And I think that that is part of doing the work to to ask yourself, like, you know, people react different ways, but the way that you react is based on who you are, what your experience is are and how do you kind of begin to delve deeper into that story oh yes and as you were talking I mean it just kind of came full circle for me because you you posed a question like what does doing the work look like and in order to identify feelings in order to figure out the why the overarching reality is I as human beings where we are social beings there has to be an acceptance that feelings mm are going to happen and they're going to have consequences within us. They're going to create, cause us to react with other people. They're going to pave the path for our decision-making skills. And once yeah. you accept that this is the reality, it's easier to do the work. Because, y'all, like, I remember a point in time I was real resentful that this was my reality. Mm-hmm. I, I would also even just add to that to say that part of doing the work is just having that acceptance. I think that might even be like one of those, like one of the many steps of doing the work is accepting those things. In certain areas of my life or in certain instances when I thought about doing the work, because doing the work is, you know, like all of it is about me. But, you know, doing the work to show up at my job, doing the work to show up with my friends, doing the work to show up with my family, all of those instances, all of those relationships look very different. So I think there's going to be areas where you do the work and it's easier to accept whatever is going on. And I think that there's areas where it's not going to be as easy. So at work with my friends, accepting how I show how I show up, how I internalize things was a little bit easier so getting you know like I definitely had those instances of resentment like you were saying and it was like okay well you know x y and z I've did this and I no longer feel that resentment so now I can get into things I will say with my relationship with my family specifically more specifically with my mom that's been an area that's been a little bit more challenging so I say that to say that doing the work with different people or in different environments is going to look different and 
you may be able to get through certain things a little bit easier in certain instances than others, but it's all still doing the work. It's funny. Like, as you speak, I'm like, ooh, good point. And uh, the next one that, like, I, <laughs> in regards to actually what does the work look like, which I think is, is probably the hardest one. And I, you were speaking about how certain relationships are a little more harder and, like, it feels more difficult to do the work with this person or this group of people or just in general, whomever fits in that category. It has a lot to do with seeing yourself for who you are as well as figuring out who is it that you want to be and how those two are actually integrated. And the gems. gems. (laughs) I think it's like, are they integrated or are they completely pulling you in different directions? Like, and I think it really has, you know, I want to sit here and be like, I did nothing wrong in this relationship, but like, come on, I, I know better. And that's, I know better because I've done the work and I'm not going to tell anybody that like, oh, it wasn't, it was all somebody else. No, like I, I know who I wanted to be. I know who I wanted the other person to be. We just couldn't integrate the worlds. It it just, it wasn't a good match. And like, that's a hard pill to swallow, but it's real. And now I have to look at myself and figure out, okay, how, how am I showing up for myself and who do I want to be? Because maybe I lost a little bit of, of that in the relationship, to be quite honest. Yeah, and that was actually what I was going to bring up. Um, First of all, that Jen about who you are, who you want to be, and them being completely different. Shit. Y'all better sit with that one. Hip-hop. Hip-hop. That's part of doing the work. Maybe I'm the one who needs to sit with that one. Um, (laughs) Because that one hit me pretty hard. That's a that's an excellent point to bring to bring up. And I think that kind of brings me even back to the identity series and talking about what we were saying about were these things imposed on you? Were these things that you chose for for yourself, right? Like, were you told that this is who you are supposed to be, who you need to be? I think a, a part of us when it comes to who we are, depending on how you grew up, and this is very personal to me, I wanted to be who other people wanted me to be because I wanted to be loved. And I don't think that this is the first time I'm saying this on the podcast. Also, having those realizations is also part of doing the work. That's a big piece of looking at yourself. And I think that that's also a pretty difficult uh, reality to accept because you realize like, you know, sometimes I think like before doing the work, I felt like I was floating through life, kind of trying to figure it out, trying to find a place, uh, trying to fit in. And it never it never hit me that I didn't have to look anywhere else that I needed to look at within me to make everything else outside of me makes sense. So I think that that's a great like that's a great point that you bring up because it's like, well, what's the what's the give and take in these types of situations um, and how do you kind of navigate those instances? It's it's so much. So when I I speak to people and I I try to help them understand themselves, I think it's important to, you know, this is just my theory. And I could be off, like I'm aware of that, but like I, this is how I genuinely believe the world works. It's important to recognize how we all live in our own worlds and what you are feeling is solely and uniquely based within you and no one else can ever fully penetrate that. It feels like people can understand you. It feels like people get you on level 100, but to be quite honest, no one else is ever going to penetrate your world. And all we're really trying to do is somehow meet each other amidst all the the bullshit that we're all experiencing, right? But because we experience bullshit, we see the world a certain way. And then when we Mm -hmm. take in information, we're biased to our own experience of the the world. And recognizing that that your experience of the world was just like being seen through rose-colored glasses, as people say, like, right? Like you see what you want to see. Um, that mm-hmm. shit is uncomfortable. And I also think that has a lot to do with uh, actually doing the work is really recognizing that the minute you feel uncomfortable, that is something within you telling you, oh, this is the thing you need to address the most, probably. Absolutely. That reminds me of the saying that 
growth begins where comfort ends. Because I think that's when you start to to mold yourself out of whatever little box that it is that you've been in and you start to kind of explore and see things outside of yourself. And And something that what you said earlier reminded me of, Sasha, was that sometimes we develop a way of being as a form of survival and a means to an end. Because sometimes, uh, you know, I'll speak for myself, when you experience trauma specifically, you are, your your body, your mind, your unconscious, everything shifts into survival mode because you're trying to make sure that you don't ever find yourself in a similar situation or if you're still experiencing the trauma, you're trying to figure out ways to cope and get through. So I think that sometimes in in regards to realizing that you need to see you know like you when you realize you're uncomfortable i think it's also realizing that you've been un- you're uncomfortable because maybe you're still functioning in a space that you no longer need to function in you know for me i realized that i developed coping mechanisms when i was a kid when i was in danger when i was um well felt in danger not necessarily physically in danger but i felt in danger and i've carried those that and then I, I created this plan and I created it when I was a kid, when I had no knowledge, no skills, yeah. d- didn't really understand the world. And, and you know, that's not a, no fault on my own. Any, any child, it doesn't necessarily come equipped with the skills that they need. But the, the part about that is that you carry that same plan or that same way of being or those same behaviors throughout your life. As you've grown up, you gained more knowledge you're in different situations than when you were when you developed these skills in the first place and I think that part of that being uncomfortable and like stretching yourself outside of that is also realizing like I don't need to be this way anymore I'm not in those uh, situations anymore we learned how to create safety in the best way possible in the moment when we knew how to right so like You didn't have these clinical skills when you were little, right? That's normal. I think human beings are driven towards safety naturally. Like that is our Mm -hmm. internal thing, right? Right. So that's why it's easy sometimes to be like, no, it was all their fault because it feels better for you to put it on somebody else. But recognize that these coping mechanisms happened at one point in time in your life. And if they're already starting to make you feel uncomfortable, that's a sign that it's easier for you to do it because nobody likes change and that's uncomfortable. And they may not be useful to you anymore. And I think when I meet people who have made the decision to say, okay, I'm going to walk out of that and I'm going to be, I'm going to confront whatever it is that's bothering me because now the way I used to do it is no longer effective. I find that so beautiful, no matter how they show up. I have been blessed to see people at their bravest and they don't even recognize it, right? Because choosing to be uncomfortable is is underrated yeah I agree and I think also (laughs) when you're uncomfortable or when you're working through these things it feels like you're stumbling (laughs) yeah (laughs) like like what the fuck am I doing you're like shit I'm making even more mistakes and it's really easy to kind of be judgmental or at least that's how I feel and then you're like I'm doing this work, but am I doing it right? And, you know, um, this feels worse. Like, this feels like something It's bigger. Because sometimes things get worse before they get better. And I think that that's the part that scares people from doing the work in the first place. Because sometimes it is so, so messy. I mean messy in ways where... It, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel linear. Sometimes you're coming up and then you all of a sudden come back down and it feels like you took three steps forward and 15 steps back and you're like, what the fuck? Like, yep. <laughs> and, um, and I think also something that, that about doing the work that sometimes can be really uncomfortable is the piece where you're doing the work and maybe the people around you are not. And when you start to change who you are and people don't like that or people are like, well, what the fuck? Like, I've known you to be this person all this time. That adds another level of discomfort because depending on who's in your circle or who are the people around you, they may or may not be supportive or they may or may not like the person that you're becoming as you're doing the work. And that's another like facet of doing the work that you need to be mindful of because it probably most likely will happen. 
And I think it goes back to, you know, seeing yourself for who you are versus who you want to be and how those things. And this is where it gets super tricky. And I hope that we're not confusing anybody. But when those two things are being brought to light and then you really see yourself and how you're interacting with other people, then you choose to change it. What they once needed in you or what they once what once clicked may not be clicking anymore. And there's going to be a reaction. But doing the work means pushing through that because it's ultimately what you want. Right. It's it's not necessarily what other people want. I think a lot of I mean, I'm guilty of that 100 percent. And it's something that is actually coming up now. And it's it never gets easier. The 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 feeling I feel like we're scaring people out here. <laughs> Let me just remind you. Let me take it real. I'm just it never gets easier. But I'm going to remind everybody on why this is so worth it. I think that if you don't. You know, stress happens, You man, it manifests physically, you start to feel tension and then that leads to headaches and then that leads to other things. Like it leads to a decrease in motivation of maybe you working out if you used to, right? This is just an example. If you don't do the work, it leads to you kind of being left alone maybe, depending on your personality with no friends and wondering like, all right, what's going on? Uh, because everybody has left me. What does that mean? But sometimes it also means on the flip side that you are putting yourself in a position where people will in, will definitely leave you and you're also choosing these things, right? So it looks different for everybody, but ultimately it leaves you feeling more uncomfortable than that feeling you were initially trying to avoid, if that makes sense. Like shit hits the fan eventually. And I think that Damn, I sound so scary, but I think that it's really necessary for you to start working as a human being on yourself so you, you could just show up for you first. I mean, I I think that getting through, get, like, what Sasha maybe, oh, I don't know, let me not put words in your mouth. Um, what I think about getting the work that doesn't get easier is I think as you discover more about yourself, it's, it likely still hurts the same like you know like mm-hmm. when you start to realize things about yourself it 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 feels equally as painful the first time as it does the 17th 18th 19th 100th time that you realize something about yourself so I think in that regard it doesn't get easier but I do think that as you start doing the work you do develop skills and you do develop like a sense of knowledge that it does get easier to get through that or to accept it than it did maybe the first time, right? So in that regard, yes, it gets easier. But I do agree with you, Sasha, that there's going to be, especially when you um, begin to do the work, it does get to be a little bit scary because I think so much changes so quickly and it it can be tough. And I also want to say that you don't have to like dive in like head first, you know, like this is one of those things where you can begin to like dip your toes in and take it at a pace that feels good to you because I've been in therapy for over a little over 7 years now. And in those 7 years, I've never tackled my trauma head on. Uh, to this day, I still haven't even started doing that work. I'm going to get there. Like, that's the goal with this particular therapist that I'm seeing. But I say that to say that I've I've faced a lot of different things in my life. I've faced a lot of my behaviors. I learned a lot about my patterns and how I show up and what have been my coping and survival skills up until this point. And I still haven't gotten to specifically the trauma, which is arguably one of the biggest life-altering things that has happened to me. So I say that to say that, yes, I'm going to go through that and it's going to be freaking insane. I'm experiencing anxiety just thinking about doing that work, despite the fact that I'm a mental health professional, despite the fact that I've been doing this work for literally years now. But I think that what I can say is like, yes, I'm going to be equally as scared. Yes, it's going to be difficult and challenging, exactly like Sasha said. But I think I have the skills now that when those things get scary and it gets tough, that I know that once I get to, when, as I'm in it, as I'm going through it, that I will end up on the other side and that I will end up okay. And I think that's what does get easier as you do the work, even though it never gets any less scary. Yeah. I mean, you said it spot on. You're right. I was, and I feel like I was out here trying to scare people. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I think you, I think that's the, that's what we're here for to bring that honesty of the process. Because I think if we were like, yes, do the work, it's going to be bliss. Then they're going to be like, these bitches are liars. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the one thing I never want to be a liar. Right. (laughs) Right. No. So I think that you were, you were spot on. Cause I will say again, I'm not having, I'm not losing sleep. Because I'm like, yeah, this is going to be easy. Like, I know this is going to be a shit show. <laughs> so. Yeah. And you know what? I'm just going to say it. I think that if everybody really understood the value of doing the work and it was placed on us and in a, in a cultural manner and this was like a societal norm, I really do believe we'd be better off right now than we are currently in our world. Because people can get into their little silos where they're like, no, this is my world. And they don't recognize how we each affect each other, right? Like, I will always tell people this. I work in New York. And a lot of the way I would, like, convey this message to a lot of people I interacted with was, how did you get here to see me? And whether it's they have their own car, whether they had to take the train or a bus. I'm like, did you get here alone? Immediately, people would tell me yes. And when I would ask them further questions, like, okay, who drove the train? Obviously the train conductor, right? Or who, who put, you know, how'd you get gas into your car? Somebody had to put gas into the, fill up the the gas in the gas station. So you were able to get gas into your car. Like we cannot move in this world without anybody else. And Mm -hmm. I think it's important to note that when you are not showing up for yourself and like you start to build a world where you think you're independent of other people and you're not doing the work, it's going to have an effect more than you more than you even recognize, even if you just think you're living in your own world. Yeah, that was another gem drop. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, again, and this is maybe because of my specific traumas, I also feel like that's a survival technique, like thinking that you don't need people or thinking that you don't need, um, well, one, you didn't get to where you were on your own because you are a product of your environment. But two, I think that it also reminds me of like when you're trying to survive and the world doesn't feel safe and you have to rely on yourself. For me, that's been one of my biggest challenges of going to like, oh yeah, I'm going to do everything on my own. I don't need help to then relying on a community because I think that is a shift in mindset and that's a shift in how you behave and it does require trust. And I think it does require a sense of like letting go. Um, What I mean by letting go is just kind of like being in it and not being so rigid. So that was that was a jump drop for me because that that hit that hit me right here. I'm <laughs> I mean, thank you. And I just, I just want to drive the point home of how much impact we have as individuals in, in this world and like how something as simple as doing the work for yourself can just better our overall functioning just together because we are doing this together. We definitely have been talking a lot about what the work is But let's say you're excited and you're willing to like jump in. All right. And you don't know what it is you you have to do. Like we we have a couple tips for you. I love me some quick tips. (laughs) And it's just a good way, a good way to get started. And I think we've touched upon at least a few of these things a little bit throughout the episode. But the first quick tip is choose yourself. What does that mean? Choose to love yourself. Choose to show up for you and put you first. Even if it's a small thing, like canceling plans because you're like, I would rather stay in bed or something bigger, like setting a boundary, that is choosing you and learn about who you are. So I think like even going back to the identity series, going back to the exercise on Instagram about like, who are you? How did you get here? Um, And even these past five episodes that we've done, like how does each thing shape who you are? Because even in the identity series, all of the things were connected. There was not one episode where we didn't talk about one of the other identities that we had an episode on. So like, you know, when we're talking about being woman, Latina was interwoven. When we talked about being first gen, all of those things like all related to who you were or just choosing like a hobby or an activity that fuels you. Um, I think those are small ways to choose yourself and start there. The next thing is the mind-body connection. Uh, This one's a big one for me. So how do you 
examine your mind and your body because they are very, very interconnected. Or in some cases, for some people, they're not connected at all. But I think that when we think about the mind-body connection, being mindful of what your emotions are and how your body is feeling. So ways to do that, to to create that mind-body connection is to do body scans, um, meditate, do yoga, or just be still with yourself. Sometimes when you wake up in the morning, just sit still with yourself. You know, trying to create an environment where there's no cell phones, no TVs, no distractions. Even if all you do is just take five minutes and increase that gradually as you get more comfortable with yourself. Notice where you feel your emotions, where your body stores them, because believe it or not, your body does store energy. Like when you're angry and you want to hit somebody, that is energy being stored in your body. And that is angry energy being stored in your body, right? So being mindful of where your body stores that energy. For me personally, my upper back and my neck is where stress lives. (laughs) My stomach is where my anxiety lives. So like if I'm feeling very anxious, my stomach will start to hurt I'll start to feel butterflies or sometimes my anxiety if it's gotten to a point where it's significantly high it's it's all over my body like when I can't sit still when I'm super fidgety that's how I know I'm anxious Um, notice if you get headaches during a specific time or if you start to feel emotions or start to feel a certain physical symptom at the same time every month or every year you know, it might be symptomatic of something bigger that's happened. And sometimes that might be difficult to do, especially when you're starting off. But a good way to do that would be to write it down. I'm so happy that you brought this point up because for me, I'm, I'm a, I rationalize everything. I intellectualize everything. So it took me a long time to understand what feelings, how important feelings were actually were. But once the science was involved, it became much more clear to me. So we, I'm going to speak about this really, really simply. The way our brain processes information, it's it's simple, right? You have someone on the, you have a piece of your brain that's on the lookout. It's like, oh, look at that, look at this. Look, what's what's happening here? Am I in danger, right? I think that human beings are animals, and we're always kind of geared to figure out, like, is this good for me? Am I in danger? Do I feel safe? Because I said it earlier, I think we're always in search of safety. So when you start to become aware of certain situations that did not make you feel good, pinpointing where they're living in your body. It's it's almost like pinpointing exactly and verbalizing what it is that you're feeling. So you may not have the words to, to actually verbalize what you're feeling, but you may say, oh, something happened. I didn't like it. And then I experienced it in my stomach and I got sick, for example. And then slowly, once you just start observing these things, you'll start to notice that okay, your body's having a reaction because it is making you feel some kind of way because that's what our bodies and our brain, that's what our brain and our bodies are are meant to do. It has to do with our nervous system. It has to do with messages being sent to uh, our memory, the memory part of our brain and like the part that activates uh, our fear response and how to get us into a place that's not as dangerous. So even if you feel like, what the hell are they talking about? What is it that like, I don't know how to even pinpoint a feeling. You, sh- I think it's so important to just start pinpointing physical symptoms because they're telling you something. I love that you brought the science aspect of it because I I definitely have had times where I'm like, Crystal, you're pushing yourself, you're pushing yourself, you're pushing yourself, and my mind is giving me signals. It's not even my body, but when I don't listen to what's happening in my mind, my body's like, I got you. You don't want to sit down? I'm going to make you sit down. And I no, and it's true. Like There have been times where I've gotten so sick or so sore, like I can't move. Um, like physically can't move. And it, it's it's times like that where you're where it's like, oh, your body's like, oh, you don't want to listen. I got you. I'm gonna show you how to listen. And it physically stops you from from doing something. So I love that you brought the science to it because I know my body's been like, oh, you you want the smoke? Because I got this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's so real because you're about yo, you know, the minute you start recognizing certain things, it's it becomes like kind of like training wheels, right? Or like, uh, not training wheels, but how do you say it? Like knee pads or elbow pads or helmets. Mm -hmm. It's just like a safety first kind of thing where you start to honor that because guess what? Remember I said you are the only one who is understanding and living in the realm of you. I really do believe that it's worth it enough because of that to, to honor that and get to know yourself the best. 
Yeah. Just the last piece of the mind-body connection. And we've we've said it. Just stop and feel your emotions, which is exactly what Sasha was just saying. Um, but the important thing is don't always get caught up in the story. Because I think sometimes when we get caught up in the story, sometimes we're looking for validation that we were right. Um, and I think that, you know, Sasha had talked about that a little earlier in the episode. But a lot of times then whatever it is that's upsetting you, it becomes bigger than it is. Like, you know, when you play a game of telephone and you start telling people and the story switches up and it's like that that's what happens in your mind. Or if you keep thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it, it becomes a little bit obsessive or you start to ruminate on it a little bit too much. And then it's not even so much about the emotion. It's about the story and when you focus on the story sometimes not not every single time but for the most part when you focus on the story you don't focus on the emotions you don't you're not doing yourself the just a justice in trying to get through it um because you're getting caught up in the wrong thing um and sometimes a good way to just kind of be with the emotions that work for me personally is just journaling or sometimes voice notes so that you can kind of like go back and hear yourself or reread what you were thinking or and it's just like a physical way to get the emotions out of your body down on pen and paper or at least like speaking it out loud if you're someone who like me tends to ruminate on the story in my mind a lot and like think about it over and over and over again so I'm going to interject really quickly because what you're saying is super important when we stay stuck on the narrative like you were saying we re-experience those feelings and it's we're in a we're in like a loop of the same feeling over and over again so what journaling mindfulness meditation you know all these breathing like self-care like how they i i mean i'm a, i'm judgmental on how it's been marketed but i do think that they're they function because what it helps you do is it helps you get out of that cycle because you're just doing mm-hmm. more harm to yourself than than good Absolutely. The next uh, quick tip is listen to your thoughts. When you're feeling insecure, down, or beating yourself up, uh, challenge yourself to think of three contradictions or work towards reframing towards a uh, positive alternative. Uh, so this this is a little bit more on the self-compassion side, being a compassionate person towards yourself, because I think um, we are always our harshest critics. And sometimes when we think about how we speak to ourselves in our mind, it's so much harsher than you would speak to a child or a friend or a colleague. Like, for example, for me, if I mess up at work or with a friend, like, you're so stupid. Like, of course, you 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 messed up like you never get anything right. So a, a good way to reframe that to a positive alternative can be, OK, Crystal, you made a mistake. You are human and humans make mistakes. And that is OK. You can fix this or, you know, you can work towards coming up with a solution or just thinking of three contradictions would be using the same example. Um, it doesn't have to be three contradictions. It could be one. It could be five. However many you feel comfortable with is. You messed up this time, but remember, you know, that other instance where you were the star because you came up with a solution for that issue. Or remember this instance when, you know, you were the one that people turned to because they needed support. So kind of finding ways where you are not quote unquote stupid, because that that's stupid is my word. Um, but whatever the word is for you, finding instances where you're not that word or that characteristic to remind yourself that. You are not that one instance. You are not that one time. And you are not stupid. <laughs> I I really like that you you pointed that out. Because like I always refer to it as like my inner voice. And mm-hmm. sometimes I, I can tell you for those who maybe are listening and then they're like, well, that doesn't do anything for me. I can tell you that I've been there. And I'm not going to be like, well, keep trying. No. What I had to do was recognize that I've been there. And what was happening is I wanted to avoid the negative feeling so much that I wanted whatever it is that we're suggesting to work right away. So it it, it made me feel Mm. frustrated. But then once I started actually listening to the way I spoke to myself and just simply thinking like, yo, like, do I, do I really feel like that about myself? Like, for example, like when we spoke about being women and how I had these like automatic expectations of myself to show up at my best And it's like, is that realistic? Like, is that something that I really want to put effort into? 
And then when I would think that way, I noticed that guilt was coming up and a little bit of shame for not being able to show up that way. And once you start really working with these these feelings and you're like, okay, so I see what's happening. You look at yourself and you're like, do I expect the same from my friend? Do I expect the same from, you know, mm-hmm. even a stranger? And you recognize that like, oh shit, I, I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself. Where does this come from? That is how you slowly start to break down who you are and why you're showing up the way you're showing up. And that's what doing the work is. And all those tips that we gave you, I think are, are helpful literally just to do that, being an observer. What you said actually helps to segue because when you think about how we speak to ourselves so harshly and we wouldn't speak to a friend or anyone else like that, is also when you hear that voice that pops into your head, ask yourself, who is that voice? Literally identify who that voice is because a lot of times our internal voice is not crystal. It is that teacher in the second grade who said something to us and now we can't we haven't gotten over the fact that they said it or it's our parent being extremely critical of who we are so we internalize those voices and some for some people they hear the voice of their parent or some people you kind of begin to adapt that for yourself um and it doesn't just become the voice of whoever it is that that told you that specific thing, but you start to hear it and believe it about yourself. And I think that's a little more in depth when we talk about doing the work. But I think that it's a great example of of trying to figure that out. Oh, yeah. Like I have a, a best one of my best friends. She's an immigrant. And when she was in the second grade, one of her teachers told literally straight up told her and her mom together that she was never going to be more than a C student. And let me just tell you that she has gone up in this world and she definitely makes a lot more money than me and crystal so uh not that money not to say that money is like the end all but like she she's up there and she's very smart and she gets shit done she had to figure that out right like was she a c student or was she more and it still comes up no matter her her wins in life but it's something that you have to recognize that that is not my voice and that wasn't hers Absolutely. And I will say the last thing um, is just curate and be intentional about the information you take in. I feel like a lot of times we're on our phones, we're scrolling, we're on social media. So I would say uh, curate your social media feed or your emails that come in and kind of be intentional about the energy that you want coming at you every day. Um, There's certain things that we can't avoid. Like for me, the train. I mean, we're in a pandemic right now, so I haven't ridden the train in a really long time. But that's, that's an instance where I can't control so much the energy that I receive, right? Because I'm on the train and I have to get to work. But I can curate, you know, what's coming in through my emails. I can make sure that what I read on my social media feed is something positive and that's going to feed my soul, even if there's other instances where I can't control the energy that's around me. The next thing I will say is read books, watch TED Talks, uh, learn about a specific topic more in depth that you feel like is, is going to help you understand yourself or be better or help you adopt a skill that works for you also keep listening to us because hello gems the gem (laughs) dropper today Um, (laughs) yeah just make sure that uh you're intentional about the things that you can control and can do something with to make sure that you're in a space that feels good to you and the last piece which we haven't mentioned i think crystal touched on it just a little bit if you have the opportunity to go to therapy and you have insurance that pays for it or you could pay out of pocket. I mean, I think that is probably one of the best ways and structured ways because what you do is you set up a day and a time in your brain where it is solely just for you. And where whether you become aware of the, the benefits or not, it slowly starts to build a path where you are doing something for you and you go and you be consistent. I understand that not everybody can go to see a therapist. However, I would advise, and this is, again, I just, I have to say it. If you are noticing that certain everyday symptoms are becoming too much and they're interfering with your life, that is the key sign for you to say, okay, I need to reach out and I need to find a therapist. I need to figure out how I'm going to do this. There are a lot of resources out there that can help you 
figure out what it is, what your next step should look like if you if you feel like you should be seeing a therapist. And I think that that's my favorite uh, thing because I don't think that I would have been who I am without the work of a therapist. I think especially as someone who's experienced trauma for a very long time, there was no way that I was going to be able to do uh, this work on my own. So I think that um, having someone who's objective, having someone who is literally all about you, <laughs> like Sasha said, is really important. And I think also having a third party that can gauge where you are, what you can handle, um, and kind of guide you and hold your hand through that process is one, extremely beneficial, but it's two, it feels beautiful. And I think like for someone who felt alone for a very long time, it does feel good to have someone to know someone's on my side. Seeing a therapist, if you are able to do so, is super important. So you kind of touched a little a little on it, but I guess I'm going to ask you this time, how do you feel doing the work in your life has just, it, you know, affected you overall and how it's affected who you are in present day? I think I, I had said this at the end of the mental health episode. I think it has drastically changed who I am as an individual, how I show up in this world and how I feel. I think back to one of my friendships that started around the time when I started to do the work and think about it now. And I, I'm like, oh, my God, like the person that you became friends with seven, eight years ago is not the person that you're friends with today. <laughs> um, and it always blows my mind to think about it. Or sometimes when I see like I, I remember I was reading tweets from like 2012 that I had written to like my friend and I was like oh I was so mean like why were you my friend like I would never speak to you like that now and I think that that growth that progress has come from doing the work I think that I feel a lot more at peace with myself um, and who I show up as and what I bring to the table I think that I've been able to identify some of the bigger roadblocks that have gotten in the way of me living life to its fullest. And again, even though it's really scary, like I said, I haven't like delved deep into the trauma. I think that doing the work has prepared me with insight, skills, and the the emotional capacity to begin doing that work once it starts and of course there's always ups and downs but I always know that there's that I'm gonna come right back up and I think that doing the work has made me a little bit more hopeful and a little bit more excited for what comes next and who I can be and who can I grow and develop into being for the future so I think that's how it's impacted me wow that's just absolutely beautiful if you ask me uh it is it's it's probably I guess is what and I know this is why we're friends it's the only way I know how to live at this point I mentioned how it took my father dying for me to open my eyes and really see what life was like around me and how I was going to be intentional about my interactions with life and it's something that I can't unsee anymore. And no matter how hard it gets, it's the only thing that keeps me going because I I know at the end, because sometimes there are days and there are months. Some, like I remember last year, I had a period of months where I felt like I wasn't going to get through it. But at, in the back of my mind, no matter how low I feel, I know that knowing me and how I function and how I choose to show up in this world, there's no way that I won't get through it. So that's comforting. And I'm happy to help people find themselves on the same journey and help them get through and maybe make it a little less difficult and less isolating. That's the goal, right? So it's it's a way of life for me. Yes. That was poetic and beautiful too. Um, yeah, you just you just trying to throw in the compliments. <laughs> like I know because I felt like this episode was so good. I think like even despite the fact that despite what we've been going through, you know, just with how I've been feeling and with a breakup, also your partner, he lost out, but whatever. Uh well, your ex partner. Not bad. Um. <laughs> 
Um, but so, you know, just thinking pause, about pause, pause, pause. That's what it looks like to be biased. If anybody was wondering, <laughs> <laughs> just saying. But I mean, you, you didn't lose out because you got so many possibilities ahead of you. But he definitely lost out, and I—that I, <laughs> that is one thousand percent me being biased. Come see me in these streets and ask me about it. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, um, I think that even uh, working through these uh, challenging times, the both of us, and even just hearing everything that you're saying, it's just always a good reminder of, you know, like what the work is, that it's going to be challenging, that I will get through it, that there's going to be ups and downs. And the fact that we're going through a down and that, you know, does not make us any less qualified to be speaking on it. That doesn't mean that we can't share what we've learned. And I think it also speaks to the authenticity of it. We're not just talking about the work. We are about the work, even when it's hard. Yes, yes, yes. And you are experiencing it live. Okay, everyone, that was our episode. Definitely a, a tough one to to think about and get through, but we hope that you listen to us and decide to do the work, whether you start off with some of our small, uh, small little quick tips, uh, doing body scans, or, you know, decide to jump in head first and go see a therapist. No matter where you are in this journey, we hope that this episode was able to help you figure out what to do and decide to do the work. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Never Told This Pod and let us know what you thought of today's conversation. We really, really, really want to hear from you. You can also email us at never told us pod at gmail.com. And as always, make sure to come back next week so we can tell you what they never told us. <laughs>